Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. Kenneth Medina is the executive director of soccer for Sting Soccer Organization and has coached youth soccer for 30 plus years. And he's been a member of the ECNL board of directors for 12 years. Kenneth Medina sits down with Kristen Lavers, the ECNL president and CEO after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. I am Dean Linky, and this is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where today ECNL president and CEO Christian Lavers will drive the discussion with Kenneth Medina. Before I turn it over to Christian, let me tell you a little bit more about Mr. Medina. Kenneth Medina is the executive director of soccer for Sting Soccer Organization and has coached youth soccer for 30 plus years. He's enjoyed one of the most successful coaching careers of anyone in the country over that time, having won an overall club ECNL National Championship, two ECNL National Championships, three USYS National Championships, and numerous state and regional titles. In his role as Executive Director for Sting, Medina currently oversees more than 240 teams across seven markets in North Texas, Austin, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, Louisiana, Nebraska, and Pennsylvania. In addition to his pivotal role in propelling the Sting Soccer organization forward, he has also worked tirelessly to develop and advance opportunities for young females in the game, regionally and nationally, having been instrumental in the operations of the ECNL over time as an ECNL board member of the Texas Conference since its inception. Kenneth believes that the game is an incredible teacher and looks forward to continuing to impact young lives on and off the soccer field for many years to come. With that introduction, I welcome Mr. Medina to today's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you. And I now turn it over to Christian Lavers, the ECNL president and CEO, to drive the discussion. Thanks, Dean. And, and Kenny, I'm really excited and appreciative of you being on here, not only because of what you've done as a coach and director over the course of a very long career, but for what you've done as a member of the ECNL board of directors since the very beginning. And then for your friendship, you're an interesting guy with a lot of good perspective. And thank you for taking the time to be here with us. Of course. Maybe we should start, Kenny, with, and I know you're not very good at self-promotion, 
but you know, get yourself geared up for that, and and maybe give us a little bit of the the, the Kenny Medina story. You know, at least from a high level, from touching on some of the playing background, maybe, and then into your coaching career from where it started to the Texans and now to Sting, so that people can get a little bit of a sense of what you've done and who you are. I wasn't a soccer player in the beginning. I, I played baseball. My dad was very good at baseball, and uh, the neighborhood kids were playing soccer uh, one day, and I just picked it up and loved it. And at that point, you know, fast forward, played club ball in the local area. We're just getting beaten up by the Dallas clubs. And I told my parents, I said, that's where I want to go. I want to go to Dallas. My dad would get up early in the morning, drive to his work, and then drive back to the house, pick me up and get me back to, to Dallas to train with, uh, at that time, that time was the Comets. That's what just launched my career uh, as far as playing goes. I went to college in South Carolina at Spartanburg, but I left after about a couple of weeks because I got homesick. So I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> uh, so nice. I, came nice. home, I came home, got a call from Randy Waldrum, which is now at Pittsburgh. You know, everybody knows Randy. And so the phone rang, I answered the phone and, and, and he said, Kenny, it's true. You came home. And I said, yes, I did. He goes, I've got a scholarship here for you. If you want to play here for me, which was a small school, which is perfect for me. There was a neighborhood team. And then uh, my neighbor asked me, would you coach my boys team? And I said, sure. And then from that point, it, it, my, my coaching career launched off. I loved it. I loved coaching the game. I loved the tactics, the, the individual part of it. And, and so at that point, I got going, got a local club going here in, in Arlington. And then at that point, I uh, thought that there was more for me to learn. Uh, I met Hassan, which Hassan was a fantastic mentor to me. I mean, I, I, I feel like I owe him a lot of, of, as far as where I am right now. And then at that point, I, I spent, I think, 14 or 15 years with the Texans. And we won a lot. Uh, it was great. Uh, he treated me well. And then at that point, I just said, you know, I've got to lead more than just parents and players. I need to lead, you know, men and women into the 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 club soccer platform. And that's where, that's where Steen came along. And that's where Brent Corrali hired me. And I went there with Brent because at the end of the day, when this is all over, uh, this is all done. Uh, I, I knew that he would take very, very good, good care of me. So I'm very appreciative of Brent. Um, but that's where I am right now. I think I'm, I'm probably 14 or 15 years into Sting right now. So that's that's kind of where my career has been. Well, to say you won a lot at Texans and at Sting is a bit of an understatement. You won probably as much or more than anybody in the country um, at both. I mean, Sting has been an ECNL overall club champion in the, mm -hmm. in the last 10 years or so. And so you've done it well. You've done it the right way. Maybe give a little bit of a, a perspective on Sting because I think you know, Sting is is run like a business in a way that many clubs are not. And I don't say that with any negativity towards anything. I say it with a lot of respect for the way that you guys have set Sting up from an organizational structure. Can you talk a little bit about what's unique about Sting and the way the club is set up and operates? It's one central hub, um, and it's it's run by myself and just a few others. And everything comes into, you know, what we consider, you know, the Dallas division. But I mean, we're in Nebraska now, and we're in a lot of uh, areas in the, the state of Texas, Pennsylvania. Uh, but everything runs into us as far as the the overall operations of it. And honestly, to give my wife a lot of credit, she runs a lot of the operations of it as well. So, you know, if we put our brand on it, you know, we want to make make sure that we're overseeing it and organizing it and making sure that it runs efficiently through our main hub. So it's just just not us putting our name somewhere and them just doing whatever they want to do. We have a lot of um, 
a lot of say in, in, in what uh, is happening all uh, in all the other division. So that that's what I think makes us unique. Well, and I know within that structure, you guys, it's one thing to have people, you know, on paper report in to a division, but you guys take sort of club identity. You did a big thing where you brought all your staff into the United Soccer Coaches Convention a few years ago, not just to see right. sessions there, but to to do your own formal training. You got Stuart Hilton, who's who's doing uh, coaching, education, and mentoring around the country. I, I saw on social media <clears throat> just the other day, you guys were uh, doing something with all your staff, getting to know each other and, and embed right. some values. So can you talk about some of the stuff you guys do from an education and values perspective? Well, I mean, and again, from that point, Stuart is you know, one of the guys that goes to the other uh, regions and the divisions and, you know, gives them what we feel like it's, it's important to them to uh, continue to keep growing and, you know, get better. And, and again, it's all coaching education. Um, and it's just understanding the division uh, because, you know, all areas are going to be different. I mean, uh, what happens in Dallas is not going to happen in Nebraska or Corpus Christi or Austin. So Stuart is really the guy that understands that. And so is my wife. I mean, she understands it as well. But the coaching education we did the other night was, I think we had 60 coaches at the hotel and we just did some bonding and some coaching education. But I, th I thought it was really, really, really positive. And, you know, honestly, I don't participate in some of that stuff, but I did this time and it was tremendous. So, I mean, we had a topic where, you know, why you coach, uh, who, well, who you are, why you coach and what's your favorite movie. And at that point we got done with that. And we had to reenact our favorite movie. And it was just, you know, people seeing me doing that, going, Kenny Medina's here doing that. Are you kidding me? Tattoo was fantastic. So, I mean, it was a really, really good um, opportunity for us, for all of us to get to know each other. That's awesome. You've yeah. mentioned her a couple times already. I think you and I, and I'll throw Dean in this too. It's like, we've all, we've all married up in the world. Mm -hmm. But, you know, your wife, I know, is a big piece of the success of the club and a big supporter of you. You want to give everybody a sense of who she is? Oh, wow. Erin is the heart and soul of our family, number one. I couldn't do this without her. She's from Canada. She's from Calgary. Uh, she played on the Canadian national team, uh, played at SMU. You know, her parents weren't wealthy uh, and she had it hard. Uh, but she made it through SMU through four years, uh, I think graduating in marketing. Uh, went to the Richards Group, which is a big uh, marketing company here in Dallas, and left probably a really good job <laughs> to go coach at SMU as an assistant. And then we met, and I talked her into coming to work for Sting. <laughs> and from that point, it's been really, really good. So, yeah, she runs the operations every day, with our, along with our four kids. So she is, um, yeah, that's about all I can say because I'll start tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's, uh, that's one, one of the things I think that makes you a great role model. And I think we'll get into it more here in, in another segment. Can you talk real briefly, maybe before we do that, on sort of your perspective of family versus the job and, you know, the job that can be nights and weekends. And you and I have talked a lot about some of the challenges in the coaching profession and some of the challenges for family in that. And uh, you've got a, a wonderful perspective on it. Can you, can you give, give us some of your thoughts on that? Well, I, I've got a, a 22 year old daughter from a previous marriage, but it took a toll on all of us as far as that goes. And I didn't, I didn't spend enough time at home with uh, my oldest daughter. And so now where I am with my health and you know, just what I'm doing overall, 
Um, I've got a, a better perspective of just making sure my family is, I'm there for my family. Cause if, I, if I'm healthy, they're going to be healthy. And at some point or another, I, I mean, I had to take a gut check and said, I've, you know, what more can I do to your point, Christian? I've had a lot of championships, but I've had a lot of great players and I could have not, I could not have accomplished what I've have done without some really, really good players. This was not all, all on me, but my family means the most to me at this point in my life. Um, it's a matter of just making sure you're checking the boxes. Um, and I would say to anybody on this call or this podcast is if you're a coach, uh, you know, I had a very pretty significant health scare. At that point, I said to myself, I got to take care of myself so I can take care of my family. Cause it's, it's really, really gratifying to me to be at a, at a field on the weekend to see my kids play or to see my boys run around with the other kids on the team. But, um, you know, at some point or another, there's got to be a balance and the balance when you're younger, I understand it. But when, as you get older, you know, it's, you, you got to figure out well, what's important to you. So that'd be my perspective. We're here with Kenny Medina, special guest on this week's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. He's talking with Christian Labors, the president and CEO of the ECNL. We're going to step aside and be back with more. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, where Christian Labors, the ECNL president and CEO, is breaking down all things soccer and as well as family, which I really appreciate with Kenny Medina. Back to you, Christian. Thanks, Dean. Kenny, and I appreciate your your transparency and, uh, and openness in this. And I go back, you and I have had a lot of conversations about how we've changed as coaches over time. I still, I don't know if you remember this, I think the first time I met you was probably sometime around 2004, 2005, um, mm -hmm. uh, down in Eclipse. And I, I remember one of the comments, yep. you're telling a story where you said to the players on the team, hey, you're all at the same training sessions. <laughs> when talking about, you know, one player is performing better than another. That quote, I've stolen that. I, I probably need to give you more credit for it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, I know you look back at yourself and see a, a, a lot of change and growth and evolution as a coach. You want to talk about maybe a little bit of how your perspective has changed over the last almost two decades or, or in other ways that you've changed as a coach? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think just as a coach, you know, you, I, I feel like I'm coaching more and, you know, in the past, you know, I felt like I was always calling out kids and players um, instead of coaching them through it. And I remember an incident, we were actually in, in Florida and um, we're at halftime, we're up two zero. And I said to the, uh, you know, our defenders don't, don't just don't do this. And one of the kids did it. So I went to the sideline and was just going to call her out in front of everybody. And I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I went to the back of the tent. I couldn't contain myself, Christian. So I came back to the sideline and I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I went back in the back of the tent again. I came out to the sideline again and I encouraged her. And I said, we need you. We can't win this game. 
without you. You got to get it together. And we ended up winning 4-0. So, I mean, that to me was like a, a defining moment for me to say, you know, we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. But, you know, how can I get my players through it? And that's where I've evolved because before I was pretty, well, as you know, <laughs> I, I was pretty relentless on my kids. Uh, but that, that was a, I still remember that like it was yesterday. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I've evolved as a coach is just coaching them through it and, you know, being hard, but also encouraging them through the, the through the process because they're going to make mistakes. So that's, that's kind of where I, I feel like I've evolved. I know that story is, is sort of one of those moments that stuck with you. Do you have any other thoughts as to how or why you, you kind of came to that realization or, or, or what pushed you in that direction? I, I, you know, honestly, Christian, I just think it's just the moment. I mean, as, as we all grow up and we, we get older and maybe it's my kids, my own kids that I, I look at them and, and say, you know, that's not working. And, and not that, that that's happened to my kids um, at all, but um, I, I just think it was the moment, Christian. I mean, I, it just clicked with me uh, in, in, internally to be honest with you. So I don't think it was a significant moment as far as my coaching goes. I just said, I'm just not going to do it anymore because I've done it for, for so long the way that I used to do it. As you've changed then as a coach, and obviously your role has become more and more as a director now, and you're in a one heck of a marketplace when it comes to uh, cutthroat competition. How do you look at your role as a director and supporting and educating coaches underneath you or, or, or maybe mentoring them so that they they become you know i think ideally you'd like to say they become even better coaches than 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 we do right but how, how do you look at your role as a director and supporting coaches well i think the coaches that we have now are top notch and we've got all the same access to um, the information it's just a matter of how you interpret it and how you get it to your players and i feel like our coaches now can get the information and get it to the players. I, honestly, Christian, I don't worry uh, as much as I used to. I mean, I've got a very, very good staff of people, you know, around me, you know, and again, I, I start at the top of what we, what we do administratively from the owner to the, to the operating officer, which is my wife and to all the directors. Um, you know, they basically said to me, don't call us, we'll report to you and we'll let you know what we're doing. And, Everything they've done at this point has been spot on. So I, I, I'm, I'm lucky at, at, at that point, and I'm very fortunate because the people that I have around me are very, very, very good people. Uh, very good people and very competent at their jobs. Very, very good. So again, my, my, my thought was give them the rope and let them see what they do with it, and they've, um, they've done a great job. So that speaks, I think, to the importance of getting the right people in the beginning. And I know in Dallas as well, it's it's not uncommon for coaches to shop, not just themselves, but shop their teams around and just pick mm -hmm. up a new jersey and go somewhere else with a group. And I don't know if I could function in that environment. It's a challenging one for sure. But I know, you know, in that spot, you're very particular about who you bring in as a coach. So can you talk about kind of what your what your most important things are or what your red flags are when you're looking at potential coaches coming in to join Sting? It's all about the credibility. And I've, I've met with coaches that wanted to come over and I've walked out of meetings going, boy, we can make a big grab there and be really good right away. And I just said, no, it, it's, it's, it's not something I want to deal with every, you know, week, month, year, 
to see if we can try to keep them here or whatever it may be. Um, and we've gone through, we've, we've definitely gone through our uh, slate of coaches for sure. Um, but uh, it, that's, it, it, a lot of it just has to do with character and the consistency of, you know, you see, if they're here in Dallas, you see what they do day in and day out and you know what they're all about. There's no secrets. And at that particular point, you have to make a decision in my, in my role to say, you know, this is probably not a person that we need to, to go after or a group of people we need to go after. Um, and I think, you know, the staff that I have with me right now have done a very good job of, of vetting that out it's, and, and, and getting the right people into the club. Um, you know, they may not be the, the, you know, the name that everybody hears about, but they're very, very good people. And we've got people in positions right now that probably nobody heard about, but they're doing a great job, a really, really good job. So to me, it's really all about a character, Christian. Um, is, you know, what they bring to the table and their consistency. So you're talking about that balance between, you know, short-term immediate success, you know, almost kind of mercenary style versus long-term identity and, and long-term success. And I know that, you know, it's, as you do it, it probably becomes easier, but there's got to be a big temptation to say, if we just did this now and maybe bring on somebody or bring on a group that, we may not have much control over. We may not have a, a values alignment with, but we're going to be winning. I know that that can be hard to say no to, even when you're doing when you're doing it for all the right reasons. How do you do that? I mean, I, and I'm sure there's people that may pressure you sometimes to say, "Come on, this would this would help a lot." How do you stand firm in that position? <laughs> well, I guess just being where I am right now. It, it, it's again, I'm not doing this for the next two years. I'm doing this for the next. 10 to 20 years. And so at, at that point you can do a grab, um, but you're, you're not, you're not ever sleeping. Um, and, it, and to me, it's just, that's where I am in my uh, soccer process is, you know, I want to sleep, you know, I want to put my kids to sleep and want to feel good about it. But, you know, doing that particular process is, yeah, you're right, Christian, is that there's opportunity there for us um, to be able to do something like that. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm always, having to look over my shoulder and I'm just not willing to do that anymore. Well, I, I tell you probably one decision where your values, your, your vision, your character probably was most clear and most tested as well was in the discussion when the, when the girls development Academy was created. Cause I know you went back and forth on that, but ultimately staying decided not to participate in that. Can you tell me what drove those decisions? Well, honestly, I, 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 um, I think it was you Christian. I mean, and again, not to get off on something with you or, or uh, you know, off track, but I think your decision on what you did with the board and, you know, how clubs are going to, you know, stay in the league. Um, when I knew that, I said to myself, you know, we're not going to do the, the, the development academy. Um, but I also knew what the, the, the de development academy is that it wasn't a matter of the kids not playing high school, but we're clubs and people pay dues into the clubs. And, um, you know, when you're traveling all over the country to play games and, you know, you're not going to play but five or 10 minutes. I mean, your top 11 or 12 are going to get minutes, but everything other than that, it's, it's collateral. And I just wasn't willing to do that. And then on, on top of that, no high school. Um, but again, there were, there were kids that were here in Dallas. I think that were still playing high school, but that, that was a, I don't, I don't feel like it was a tough decision for me. I think it was a tough decision for people that were around me. Uh, that were thinking, what what was I doing um, in regards to not going into to the academy? 
and I, I remember this, Christian, and I don't think I've ever told you this, but, um, you know, there was rumors about the Developmental Academy not, um, it, it was not going to ex exist anymore. And kept hearing the rumors. I finally got the, the, the um, I guess, the press line through a text message um, or the announcement that they were not, that it was not going to exist anymore. And I was getting pizza for my kids. I pulled over into a park and I started to cry because I, I just didn't, I didn't know how much it, it had taken out of me uh, as far as just trying to, you know, figure this thing out of what we were doing uh, because I believe so much in the ECNL and what we, what we were doing as a board, as a league uh, and what you've done. So I had never, I didn't, I never had any doubts as far as what we were going to do as, as an organization, but, you know, being in Dallas, there were certain things I had to do to, you know, you know, get us through the, uh, through the forest as far as I, I'm concerned. So, but no, it was never a hard decision for me to stay in the league versus the DA. That decision. And I know, I know we've talked about, you know, the, the challenges that we all faced and you particularly in, in the last couple of years and are exceptionally proud of, of how we've come through it. And that maybe transitions to the next topic, which uh, you were one of the original board members in the ECNL when we started back in 2009. And so you've seen over the last, gosh, it's 12 years now, so much change in the league. And in, I mean, I think back to the discussions and where we were in 2009. Can you talk about a little bit of the change that you've seen, you know, in the league? And, I, you know, I'm not talking about just from a programming and an external point, but, you know, you, you've been in the rooms where all the decisions have made. You've, you've been one of the, lead, the, the strongest leaders of the organization. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what it was like and what it is like now from maybe an insider's view? Well, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is in the, in the beginning, there were many people that said, you know, club directors can't, you know, they won't be able to run a league. And what I see right now is we have the best league in the country. And I, I, I know that because of, you know, another league coming in and people wanting to leave the league to come back to the ECNL. So I, I think it, it had to do a lot of the decisions that we made as an organization, uh, but to start off on where we, where we started and people saying we couldn't do it and to where we are right now, I mean, we, we are by far the best league in the country. It's not even close, but I think it's just all been with people like yourself, Doug, Jay, people on the board. Uh, I, I wanna give a shout out to even like a Sarah Kate who started in the beginning as a commissioner and to Jen and what she's done, Marissa, I mean, there's just a lot of people, Kristen Bruner, a lot of people that have really shaped this thing, you know, um, through the course of the year. But I mean, just everything that I think we've done. Uh, and again, to your point, it's club run, you know, if the clubs feel like they want something, um, they have votes, uh, they've got the conferences. I, I just feel like it's, um, you know, the way that it's evolved and the way it's grown, I feel like there's a lot of oversight on that and a lot of thought through that. It's just not uh, an afterthought. So that's what I feel. Kenny Medina joining Christian Labors on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're back with more Kenny Medina after this. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. 
Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where our CEO and President Christian Lavers is spending time with Kenny Medina. So I'm going to keep going, Kenny, on some of the, the ECNL topic, because, you know, when I when I look at our, our organization from 2009 to now, one of the things that I think is so much better and, and has reflected so much maturation and growth is, is the board and understanding how to put on the, the, the league hat and to take off the club hat or to put on the conference hat and take off the club hat and make decisions for the collective good of the league and all the clubs versus what may be helpful for your individual club. And that certainly was a challenge early on as people sort of struggled with this concept of, of a board of a league, but you've been uh, exceptional at that. And again, in a, in a really competitive conference, you've constantly put the league hat on and made decisions with that. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how you do that and why you do that? <laughs> for, I guess for my sake, it, I give I mean, the credit to my parents <laughs> because, you know, they always said do the right thing. And, you know, when I came apart of being the board, uh, yes, you're right. It's difficult because there's decisions that were made and I had to take my club hat off. And, and because I was on a board call, it, I wasn't with Sting, I was with the board. And I had to figure out what was going to be the best for the league uh, and not always what's best for Sting. Again, I just think it's, it has to do with just with, with uh, character. And I appreciate you saying that because, again, being on the board for 10 years, I think people get the um, you know perception that I've got some kind of power. And you know this as well as I do. There's 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 a lot of people on the board, <laughs> and you know I'm I'm one vote. And at that point, you know we we have to figure ourselves out and do what's what's best for the league. Again, I just think it just a lot has to do with just character and what's going on with the board and and what what's best for the league. And we had to make some tough decisions, you know, for some clubs that you know left the league and wanted to come back in. Uh, but I felt like at different times it was the right thing for the league. Uh, because there were good clubs that needed to come back into the league. I, I think it just a lot has to do with just it's just character. This isn't public yet, so this will be you know sort of the official public statement is that you you are after twelve years, Kenny. Don't don't cut off those last two, man. After okay. twelve after twelve years on the board, you made the decision to uh, to step down. And Pat O'Toole was just the other day officially announced or elected as, as the next representative for the Texas conference. So can you talk a little bit about that decision to step down? When you look back at all, all of your time on the board in the last 12 years, what sticks out to you? Oh gosh, Christian. I think about the calls that we'd have in the beginning, through the middle, through the end, and having those tough decisions on how to shape the league. And I'm, I'm gonna miss that a lot. 
as far as the you know the shaping of the league and going through that i'm go- i'm going to miss us getting together at the agm you know for our annual dinner to go over the 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 league and being a part of that our our national event that we have in in portland uh, being a part of that which i uh, hopefully i can still be a part of that um, we'll, bring, we'll bring you in on that kenny no worries that's a yeah. talk about the national training camp and yes that would yes. not be the national training camp if we didn't have mr medina on the sidelines <laughs> well i i appreciate that but just seeing the the evolution of the board and and the good times we went through and we went to we went through some hard times because we had some guys that were on both ends of it and um but we got through it and at that point i mean that's why i just have so much respect for everybody that's on the board and what they do and i i just don't feel like people know exactly what it is you know they just can perceive and or hear certain things but you know my my reason for stepping down is to your point it's 12 years and I even look at, you know, the club, you know, with Sting, I'm given opportunities for others to go into leadership roles because it's just time. And I just felt like it was time for me to say, okay, you know, the board seats up and, you know, it, it can go with different leadership. I don't feel for one second that I'm going to be left out of anything uh, because <laughs> I have everybody's number that I can call that I need to. So I just felt like it was time. It was it was it was a, a good opportunity for somebody to step in after 12 years because I, again that's just a long time. And then of course you know going through um, my situation with my health and I would tell everybody on this podcast go see your doctor, go see your doctor, <laughs> and, and stick to the regiment because I mean, we got a stressful job here. But um, at the end of the day, you know your family needs you um, and other people need you as well. But th- those are those are my reasons for having to step down. And my experience on the board was fantastic. Um, I will miss it. If we look now, and and uh, this league certainly wouldn't be where it is without the immense contributions that that you've made. But when we look at the next chapter, so you mentioned early 10, 10, 20 more years, what is the next chapter for Kenny? I mean, and you're right, we're not going to let you walk into the sunset, man. This is not this is not a moment where Kenny gets away from uh, weighing in on decisions because you're you're always going to be on speed dial here. But what is the next chapter for you when you look at Sting? Where do you hope the league goes over the next period of time? And, and what do you want to accomplish in the next chapter? Well, my ne- next chapter for me is to see, see other people win, is to see my staff that we put, we, we've assembled and to give them my wisdom. They've got the knowledge um, and they're smart, they're smart people. I've got the wisdom as far as, you know, how to, you know, do things it, it, through my age, but I want to see them win. I want to see them win. I want to see Sting win, and I, but, but I want to see him do it right, uh, in the right way and not in the wrong way. I don't want to grab. I want to be able to develop kids through our staff. You know, within the league, I, again, feel like it's the best league in the country, and that's why I felt I could leave. Uh, if, if I felt like this was going in the way that the DA was going and coming in um, and we were struggling, I would have never left the board ever. But I think the league is such, in such a good state right now that – it was time for me to be able to get out where, where we were winning. I, I just want to, I want to make sure that as a league, we can service the members and do it the right way. And I, and I feel confident in that because I know how you feel. I know how the league feels, our commissioner feels and Jen and everybody else. So I just feel like I've, I've got everything in a good state, but you know, to me where I am right now in the next 20 years, gosh, Christian, I hope in the next five years, I can be in, you know, the beach and people are just calling me and saying, Hey, we won. And I'm going, I'm going thumbs up. Great job. 
<laughs> so that, that's where I want to be. So many of your answers in this interview are so so real and so authentic, which I think is really, really neat. But the comment that you just made, I think is also telling that you want to see other people win. You want to empower other leaders. You want to see other people grow. It's easy to say that. And a lot of people can say that and not really mean it, but you really do mean it. And the, and the actions and decisions you've taken in your club show that. And that also, I think, talks a little bit about sort of the evolution of a coaching career, you know, and your role as a director and a leader now is, is you're envisioning that differently than your role as a director and a leader five years ago. So congrats to you on sort of creating this path for your own career. Maybe talk a little bit about that as you look at your career in coaching and as you look at the careers of the people now that are following you and that are learning from you and, and, and overall, because I know we've, we've had some good discussions on that at times too. Well, my coaching career, my goodness gracious, I mean, it's 30 plus years and, you know, I'm blessed because I had some very, very good players and very good parents and people just around me. I mean, I, I couldn't have done this without a lot of those people, to be very honest with you. And I, I mean, right now at the, you know, you know, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking of players that have played for me and, you know, had just made me so successful because I couldn't have done it without them or their parents and, and, the, and the administrators behind me. And I've learned a lot from a lot of people, uh, Christian. Um, so, I mean, I've got to give, you know, those people a lot of credit as well. You know, where I see myself, you know, moving forward and to your point with wanting other people to win. I mean, that, that honestly, if, if, they, if they, if they do that and they do their job, then my job's done. And um, again, I, I don't say that because I don't, I don't mean it. Uh, I mean, I, I really want to see the people that are around us have a lot of success because if, if they have success and that means that I've been successful as well. So that's kind of where I am. This has been a wonderful 40 minutes. I think a really unique, I think conversation because we don't get into these topics, at least to this depth very often. And I, I know Dean would echo that because these are difficult topics. They're emotional topics. I, I would just like to say on behalf of our league, on behalf of the board, on behalf of the clubs everywhere, your leadership in the ECNL has been exceptional. You're a big part of where we are as a league today. Like I said, you're not going anywhere. This is <laughs> goodbye. It's a see you later. But you know, for the record, I just want to thank you for everything you've done to help put us in the right direction and keep us there. You know, we know Sting is in good hands and the best years of Sting and the clubs you have all over the country and, and certainly the Dallas and the Austin division, the best years of Sting for sure are to come. But thank you very much for everything you've done. And uh, I'll leave you with the last word. Well, my last word is uh, thank you to you. Um, and again, just everything that the league has done for me and my experience with it. And so I, I, I can't thank you enough, Christian, and your leadership as well and what you've done for the league. So, um, and everybody else that I've been associated with and the coaches and people that are on the board. So um, I'm, I'm very, very thankful and very, very grateful for, for all of you. Fitting last words from Kenneth Medina. What a great interview with ECNL president and CEO Christian Labors. I want to thank all the great folks at the ECNL, including Andrea Wheeler and Jacob Bourne. I want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash, for each and every one of them and all of you. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. 
For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.